Amen. Will you stay standing for just a moment if you're able? Just, just stay standing. If you've already said that's okay. I just want to ask you a question this morning as we're getting started. How many of you are here? You're here? If you're online, how many of you are here? Just type in the chat and say, I'm here right now. If you're here, I want you to say as loud as you can, I'm here. I'm here. Awesome. Woohoo! That was some 815 gusto right there. Um, and I just want to take a moment before we sit, before we sit, before we sit. I've, been, I've, I've wanted to do this. And uh, before we sit, I want you to take a moment. I want you to reflect and just think on the fact that we have the freedom to gather in this moment. That we have the freedom to gather physically, that we have the freedom to gather online with, with, with all the technology and all the team that's running all that stuff back there. And as disciples of Jesus this morning, we get to feed on the bread of life. Amen? The living Word of God. We get to stand in the presence of the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. May we not take that for granted. In a world where, where we're famous for taking things for granted, missing the, the, the missing things left and right, may we not take for granted the fact that we get to, everybody say get to, get to. stand in the presence of the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I don't know about y'all, but that'll wake me up on a Sunday morning. To worship the Lamb of God who was slain. Why? To take away our sins. And so welcome to this holy moment. I am truly so glad, whether you're in the room, online, watching this on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, I'm truly glad that you're here. Unfortunately, some of you aren't going to be here for very long. You'll be here physically, right? But your mind, your attention will be somewhere else. Here, now, but in just a few moments, you'll get a text and you'll leave us for a little bit. You might check back in. You might tune back in. Uh, you might be thinking about where you're going to eat for brunch. I recommend Blue Pig. Okay? I don't get any royalties to say that. Uh, some of you are thinking about your grocery list, thinking about all the things you've got to do tomorrow and your day off and all that before you go back to work on thir Tuesday, Thursday. Whew. If only. Um, Worried about tests, worried about bills, worried about the person that's distracting you two rows in front of you. Y'all behave now. Okay? Um, but I'm glad you're here. But statistics tell us we won't be here for long. Go ahead and have a seat. Okay, so John chapter 2, we see Jesus at the wedding. It's an unusual text because we see Jesus' first miracle here. Right? And it's at a wedding of all places, for Jesus to start his ministry. And something really embarrassing happened. The host of the wedding, okay, the host of the wedding ran out of what? Wine. Wine. They were drinking. <laughs> At a wedding, right? The host ran out of wine. And in this culture, in this time, very embarrassing, Right? Very embarrassing if you're the host of the wedding and you run out, right? And you run out of wine. So Jesus sent the servants to fill six massive jars of water. The servants drew out what's in the jar, take it to the master of the banquet. 
And in the second part of verse 8, we see that they did so, right? They did as Jesus told them to do. And, ma- and, and in verse 9, we see, And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And I want, you to, I want you to think about that word, now. I want you to think about being present in the now. And I love that, that, the, that the master of the banquet, right, says you have saved the best till now. That's why we say the best is yet to come, right? That's why we, that's why we can say things like, your best days are now. Because what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a couple passages of Scripture where we see words like present, today, now. Because your best days are truly now. See, we talked last week, we started talking about how Jesus lived a better way. Right? He lived a better way. And, and, and talking about how some of us aren't going to be here for long there's a better way than that, right? There's a better way than trying to be physically someplace and trying to uh, be mentally three or four other places. There's a better way. Some of you can amen to the fact that that's exhausting, right? That's exhausting. Um, getting, getting three kids off to school this past week and making sure that they were in the right places and at the right times and they had the right materials and they had this and they had that. And it, man, trying to be all over the place. But one of the most striking qualities that I've been noticing about Jesus as I've been reading the Gospels, right, is that he was always fully present. Jesus, wherever he was, he was where his feet were. He was fully present. He lived with an undivided attention in the moment. He lived with an undivided attention in the moment. He never was not where his feet are. My Bible's too heavy for this music stand this morning. All right? It's going down. But, uh, but that's okay. If you turn to Luke chapter 18, and it's going to be on your passages on, on, on the screen here, I want to look at two stories that are back-to-back where we see Jesus being fully present. You guys still with me? Okay. You still here? All right, cool, cool, cool. How many of you have made your grocery list already while I was giving the building update? Okay, Jeff did. Awesome. All right, awesome. Uh, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, right? Passing by, as Jesus was passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to notice something. Jesus was passing through, not necessarily planning on being called out by this blind beggar, although he's probably Jesus, so he probably knew, but anyway, they they weren't expecting this, right? Verse 39, and those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded them to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise 
to God. Now, Jesus, like we said, was already on his way to somewhere else, right? And he's been interrupted here by this poor blind beggar. And and Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? The disciples had already rebuked the guy. This blind beggar, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as he walked into Jericho, large crowds surrounded him. But I want you, what I want you to take note of, right, is that the, the people in front of them, people in front of Jesus rebuked him. But I want you to, what I want you to take note of is that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for. Jesus stopped, healed his sight, and, and everybody else is trying to get him to shut, right? Shush, right? We, it, Jesus doesn't have time for this. He's going, he's passing through, right? And we don't, we don't have time to, to deal with you, right? We've got to get him to where he's, where, where he, where he's going. And Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for. You think of the Good Samaritan, right? Anyway, that's not what the message is about this morning. But Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for. Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for. You know, some of the best moments are the ones you don't plan, aren't they? Like some of the best moments when you go on a family vacation or we do something, right, are the, are the ones you don't plan. Can I, t- can, I tell you, can I tell you one of my favorite places to eat in the state of Maine? Other than the blue pig. And I only like it there because they got a sandwich named after me. That's all right. I'm the only name on the menu. Anyway, pat myself on the back, right? All right. One of the best places to eat in Maine is Dysart's Truck Stop up in Bangor. Right? Right? Why? You like it? Not really. Yeah, it's nothing special, is it? It's a grease house, right? It is. There is nothing special about it. You know why I love it? Because the two times I've been there uh, have been when I finished summiting Mount Katahdin for the first time. And I was there with my brother-in-law, and we were exhausted, and it was the first meal that I'd eaten all day. And I was basking in the, in the glory of summiting a mountain and not being able to see 10 feet in front of me. Right? And like that was the experience. And the second time I ate there was when Micah and I were headed up to Arcadia National Park. I don't know if y'all know, but they changed the name from Acadia to Arcadia. Okay? And we did six summits that day and we ate at Dysarts before we did to get the fuel to go. Right? Nothing special about the food. But stopping at that truck stop and having the pleasant experience, right? Of being with people and celebrating accomplishments and celebrating what was to come changed. Changed the restaurant for me. Changed the truck stop for me. Right? I love it. The moments, the best moments are the ones we don't plan for. The best moments are the ones where we are present in the moment and things just happen. Right? Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for, that people were rebuking for even trying to get Jesus' attention and to capture his time, right? And, and one of the best moments that we celebrate in Scripture, because 
He just healed him. Your faith has made you well because you were so persistent. You shouted out. I mean, we could, we could talk for the rest of our time and dissect the story about the persistence of, of, of the guy and how he was not going to leave that moment until he met with Jesus, until Jesus had heard him, until he had experienced Jesus, kind of like Moses on the mountain, where Moses in Exodus 32 says, I'm not leaving this place until you show me a glimpse of your glory. I can't go lead these Israelites that are so stubborn and stupid. Stubborn is what he says. I added stupid. Just want to be true to scripture. Okay. I can't, I can't lead these Israelites if I don't know that your presence is with me. And, and so God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock, lets all of his glory pass by, removes his hand, and Moses gets to see the back of his robe, right? Moses got to see a glimpse of the glory of God, right? And how persistent he was. We could talk about that. But what I want to talk about this morning is how Jesus stopped, right? Jesus stopped. We talked last Sunday about how Jesus was never rushed. Can you imagine if, if this was Jesus in 2021? I mean, Jesus always lived a better way. That's kind of what we're talking about, right? So he would probably stop. But can you imagine if, if somebody stopped us on the way when we were trying to get from point A to point B and said, hey, I just need something from you for just a moment, right? What do we do? We walk faster, right? We, we walk faster, and, 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 and try to get away. Look at, look at Luke 19. Jesus go, uh, Luke goes right into this. Dr. Luke, right, transcribing this whole thing. He entered Jericho and was passing through. We see that again. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. We just talked about this a few months ago, but I just want to point something a little new out to you this morning. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but they actually wrote a song about this story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee... If you're online, better be singing it. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Why was the tree so sick? Have you ever thought about that? Anyway, right? And so they, they wrote a song about it, right? Jesus was on his way to somewhere else. He had already been interrupted once by a poor blind beggar, but he stops for a rich and corrupt tax collector. Now, if you're just reading through it, right? And, and, and a lot of times I'm guilty of this, right? Because I've, I've preached both of these passages in separate times. But this shows the church something beautiful about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Jesus stopped for a poor, blind beggar, and he stopped for a rich, had-it-all-together tax collector. Jesus has died for all people. Jesus stopped for all people. And here in back-to-back -back stories, we see two separate ends of the spectrum that Jesus stopped for. He stopped. He healed the blind beggar. He goes into Zacchaeus' house. And let's, just, let's read the rest of the passage, verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, I love this, they all grumbled he has gone in to be the guest of a man 
who's a sinner. I mean, all the people lying in those streets would have given anything, right? Would have given anything to be called out by Jesus and said, hey, I'm coming. Rick and KD, I'm coming to your house this afternoon. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, everybody say today. Today. Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And again, we just talked about this a couple months ago, but just, just a couple of reminders for you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right, who climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. Tax collector, right, corrupt IRS agent. He was able to kind of name his price based on what he needed for that day. Skims off the top. And Jesus calls him by his name and says, I'm coming over. And we don't know how long they spent together. We don't know the details of the conversation. This is all we get, right? But what we do know was that today salvation came to his house. Right? Today, salvation has come to your house. Jesus was always present in the moment. You still here? Okay. It's dwindling. I mean, from when we were standing, and then I asked you again after the building thing, and now it's dwindling a little bit, so y'all... Y'all tune back in for just a moment, okay? Jesus was always present in the moment. How many of you want to be like that? I know I want to be like that. Present in the moment. Not just living for the happy moments, but fully present in all moments. Even the annoying ones, right? Like I, like, like I got four kids, right? There's always a toy where it's not supposed to be. And the most annoying ones are Legos. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Where the Lego gets left out and you find it with your bare foot, either late at night or early in the morning, and everybody's still asleep or every, everybody's fallen asleep. And so then you're trying to be as quiet as you possibly can. Where you're, mm, 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 right? Right? Where you're trying to be, where you're trying to be quiet, right? Or, or, um, can, can, I, can I confess this morning for just a moment? Okay, I'm going to. The part that I think it's church approved. Um, the, the part of the um, baby feeding process that always made me nervous was the burping. It was the burping. Because you just never knew what was going to happen. Right? I mean, there could... There could be some things, right? There could be some bonus activity, or it could just be a burp, right? Like you, you never knew what was coming. And the suspense was so real, right? And, and, and all, we had four kids, right? Every single one of them was different in the way that they ate, in the way that they burped, right? Everything was different. And so once I got used to, to Bria, Micah came along and completely changed the tide. And then we thought we were done with this whole thing. And then Ezra, right? And he was completely different than the first two. And then Vera just threw us for a loop completely with how she ate and burped, right? And it was just, you never knew what was coming, right? 
Man, I miss burping a baby. I miss it. I miss burping a baby. Don't. The days are over. For like 30 years until, you know, grandkids, Lord willing, and all that stuff, I might burp a baby then, right? And regret I even talked about this. Okay? But, but all of the annoying moments and all of the chaos that is the six of us, right? We, we, got, a, we got a new thing to hang in our, in our living room. If you, when you get to come over to our house and stuff, you'll get to see it. Um, it, it just says in the little fancy letters, our perfect chaos, right? That's what we've titled our living room, is our perfect chaos, right? Man, I miss the moments I used to wish away. I miss the moments I used to wish away. I miss the moments I used to wish away. I can talk about Bria because she's not here this morning. Right? Bria just started eighth grade. And you know what's made her nervous all year long, all week long, uh, starting eighth grade? Next year she's in high school. And I was walking with her the other day and I'm like, yeah, Bria, we got five years. In five years, I'm going to be dropping you off to college. And she said, Daddy, stop talking right now. Oh. Right? It's like I just took her from here to like boom, right? And she and she started panicking. She's like, "Daddy, stop, stop, stop!" Right? But those moments that I used to think were annoying, right? That I used to think, "Man, I I I I I can't wait until this is over." Complaining today about the moments that I'm going to miss tomorrow. Maybe you do that. Maybe you complain today about the moments that you're going to miss tomorrow. Jesus was always present in the moment. I want to be like that. You still here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you came back. The statistical odds, let's go here, and then I want to tell you about two games we play. Okay, The statistical odds are this, that we've lost some of you. A Harvard study, 47% of the time, this Harvard study says, 47% of the time, our mind is not where our feet are. 47 percent that's almost half the time so our feet are in this room right but almost half the time we're not present where our feet are this blew my mind the average cell phone user how many of you have a cell phone amen i see those hands how many of you still have a landline amen hallelujah praise the lord for you okay right <clears throat> um how the average cell phone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. The average cell phone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. I, I looked it up. That's on average four times a minute. On average. On average two to four times a minute. Okay? The extreme users, the top 10%. The top 10% of cell phone users touch their phones more than 5,400 times a day. Isn't that crazy? It's just 5,400 times a day. And so when we're not wasting time on our phones, we're playing mind games. Okay, so two mind games that are most common. I know I play them, and I've already talked about um, one is the win-then game. Right? The win-then game. When, when I get out of high school, when I get out of college, when I get a real job, right, then, then I'll be happy, 
right? When the student debt is gone, we get married, when you get kids, when those kids get out of diapers, when they stop burping, right? When you get a better house, when you go on a vacation, when you're not so busy with the kids, when the kids are grown, and then all of a sudden, where'd all the years go? You only got five years left, right? When, then, game. And we go through life wishing away, constantly wishing away the current moment. And the main point of what I want us to talk about this morning, the thesis of this whole thing, is don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. See, <clears throat> I used to, I, and, I, and I've, I've, been, I've been open about this in the past, there are so many, um, there are so many church growth hacks, right? There's so many ways out there to, to, to grow your church, right? The seven systems to a thousand people, right? Seven systems to a thousand people, all these different things, right? Growing past the 200 barrier, growing past the 500 barrier, the thousand barrier, the 1500 barrier, right? Because that's how you measure success in the church, right? And so, and so I, used to, I used to think when I was early on as a pastor, right, that how are we going to get people in, right? We got to get people in. We got to get people in. We got to figure it out. We got to do more banners. We got to do more mailers. We got to do this. We got to do that, right? We've got to figure out how to get people in. And I had a pastor call me one day. I was walking through Martin's, right? I was walking through Martin's. Again, nothing special about Martin's, but I had an amazing experience there this one day about 10 years ago, okay? Nine years ago. And and I was walking through Martin's, and I was right up there where they got the pet stuff now, because they, they usually have pretty cheap books, and you can go in there and find Christian books for like 97 cents a piece. And so, you don't have a Christian bookstore in the area, that's where you go, right? And you read what you can put your fingers on, okay? And, 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 so, and so, I used to walk in there, and this pastor called me and said, you know what I was thinking about today? And I was like, what? He said, why do we love the people that we don't have at the expense of the people that, are, that we do have? Why are we trying to love the people we don't have instead of loving the people that we do have right in front of us? He said, stop trying to grow your church and just love the people the Lord has blessed you with right now. We stopped advertising. We typically don't advertise. Like anytime we've ever been in the Gorham Times, it's because they've called us and said, hey, we've seen what you're doing. Can we run an article about it? Sure. Right? I think somebody called Pastor Ian one day, and Ian gave them all kinds of false information about what we were doing, <laughs> and they ran it. Right? They'll just take anything. Right? Right? But, 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 stop loving what you don't have at the expense of what you do have. Stop pursuing what you want later at the expense of what you've got now. Right? The win-then game, and then the second game that we like to play is the what if game, right? What if? What if I don't pass the test? What if I don't get in the right school? What if I don't summit next weekend? What if, what if, what if, what if my job turns bad? We're worried about the economy. We're worried about COVID. We're worried about whether we can afford the house. We're worried about our spouse or getting a spouse or is it the right spouse and all these different things. And Matthew 6 34 says this, therefore, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. There's enough worry for tomorrow. And listen, I'm preaching to myself 
in this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. See, here's the thing. So many of us walk into church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we're limping into place. Consumed. Consumed. Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the wrong thing? Are we doing this? Are we doing it right? And, and, and I, I, will tell, I will tell you, I will tell you, right, that that is not limited to the people that are sitting in the chairs. We feel that as a team, right? And, and, and more so in the last 18 months, I can tell you that we've limped in here on Sunday mornings more so in the last 18 months than ever before. Why? Because we're worried. Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing, are we doing the wrong thing? Should we have sold that building? Should we have done this? Should we have done... Are we, uh, right? All these different things. But we can't worry about tomorrow. Righteousness is defined as this. And, and you can, you can, you've heard me say this before. Being faithful with what's right in front of you. Being faithful with what's right in front of you. Anna in Frozen 2 says it this way. Vera and I have been hanging out a lot lately. She's the only one not in school so far, so she and I spent a couple days this past week together and listened to some Frozen soundtrack. Sing it to us. Nope. <laughs> I sang Zacchaeus a little bit. That's my limit. Okay? But Anna puts it this way. Do the next right thing. Right? Do the next right thing. Righteousness is being faithful with what's right in front of you. Summit Church's next right thing, we believe in following God, and as, as Ian kind of mentioned this morning, following the cloud, right? Not the little, cl little cloud, but we feel like God has opened up a door for us over there, and that's the next right thing for us. That is the next right step for us, and we can't wait next Sunday to have one service. Not because, not because it's one service, but because all of you are going to be sitting together, and we're going to get to see the church, and it's going to be awesome, and we can't wait. Um, to get set up and actually be ready for church next Sunday. It's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be awesome. That's the next right thing, right? That's the next right thing. Righteousness is being faithful with what's right in front of you, not living in the worry of what's to come. So why don't we live in the moment? I believe two things. Ultimately, ultimately, it's one thing, excuse me. We don't live in the moment because of one thing, lack of faith. Lack of faith. Oh, Man, you were doing so good, Pastor. And then that lack of faith. But but truly, I mean, if faith is defined as fully reliance on God, worry comes when we're not fully relied on God. Right? If we were fully reliant on God, we could walk confidently into whatever God has for us. Even the annoying, the hard, the frustrating, the disappointing, the lonely, the hurt. Right? We could walk into any of that if we're fully relying on God. If we're walking in faith, none of that phases us. But when we start to get worried and live on our own strength, guess what? That goes down. The only way we can be present in the moment is two things. Number one, surrender the past you can't change. Can't change it. Can't change it. Surrender it. Surrender it. There, there are things, there are so many things, especially in ministry, that I wish I could go back and change. There are so many conversations I've had with my kids I wish I could go back and change. There's so many conversations that Kristen and I have had where I haven't told her she was right soon enough. 
that I wish I could change. But I can't. And those moments shape and define relationships. The moments in the church shape and define my leadership. The moments as a camp speaker shape and define my influence. And I wish I could change some of them. But I can't. But you know who's not phased by it? God. Do you know who knew I was going to do it even before I did it? God. Do you know who's still in control? God. Do you know who can handle my screw-ups? God. And through His grace, through other people, towards me, and my surrender to Him, those moments can be restored. Surrender the past. You can't change. And number two, trust God with the future you can't control. Man, I've got a great plan for my kid's life. And if they just follow every decision that I want them to make, they'll live a very mediocre life. But if they surrender to God and make every decision that He wants them to make, they'll be great. I can't control. And so I can sit around and worry and panic and fret over it all, or I can trust God with what I can't control. Some of us need to do that with the news today. Some of us, and and listen, I'm... I'm as confused today as I've ever been about this pandemic. Some of us need to do it with COVID. Some of us need to do it with our finances. Some of us need to do it in our marriage. Some of us need to do it in our relationships with our kids, school decisions, whatever, right? Trust God with a future that we can't control. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry in itself. James chapter 4, James the half-brother of Jesus addresses this in James chapter 4. Come now, you say. Everybody say now. Good. Half of you. This half of the room is still here. You guys are still here. A couple of you in the back over here are still here, right? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. We'll spend a year there. We'll trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Right? This is why I don't get worked up, right? People are talking about when Jesus is coming back and all these different things. Do I believe He's coming back soon? Yeah. Do I believe we should be ready? Yeah. Do I believe we're taking things for granted? Of course, right? Right? Jesus could come back in five minutes. Jesus could come back in five hours. Jesus could come back in five years, five decades. We have no idea, but we ought to live like He's coming back in a moment. Right? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You can't control it. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears 
for a little while and then vanishes. Have you ever thought about an hourglass? I promise I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down. I know they're practicing upstairs. Just consider it mood music as we're finishing the sermon this morning, okay? Three things I've noticed about an hourglass this week, okay? First is this. How much time do you think's up here? When you look at an hourglass, right? When you look at an hourglass, you have no idea how much time is up there. Unless you sat there, right, and timed it, right, then, then you could know, right? But we have no idea. We have no idea how much time is up here. We have no idea how much time we have. Be faithful in every moment. Second thing, we can't stop the sand from flowing. Oh, man, there's so many moments, right? You've had those moments probably where you would love to just put your finger right here and just stop. Just stop. I just want to enjoy this for a little bit longer. I just want to stop this moment. I just want to stop this time. I just want to stop it, but you can't stop it, right? And then lastly, once it hits the bottom, once it hits the bottom, you can't get it back. Once it hits the bottom, you can't get it back. Right? Can't can't get those moments back. This that's why it's so important. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's why the psalmist says, right? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You still here? Okay. Let me tell you what you can't do. Okay, let me tell you what you can't do. I'm gonna be I'm going to be pastor dad for just a moment, okay? Let me tell you what you can't do, okay, family. Number one, you can't be happy where you're not. You can't be happy where you're not. You can't be happy where you're not. People get so frustrated in the church, but they've got one foot out the door, and they wonder why they feel disconnected and unhappy, right? They, they, They wonder why the Lord never speaks to them. you got one foot out the door, right? You can't be happy where you're not can't be happy where you're not. Number two, you can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. And number three, you can't love people where you're not. You can't truly love people where you're not. You can't. You can't. People know, right? People know. You can't love people where you're not. Big moments, small moments, all of them matter. And be fully present just like Jesus. Don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you have later. Pursuing what you want later, right? And to be fair, it's easy to get distracted, right? It's easy to get preoccupied with ourself. It's easy to do all of these things. But let me just, let me just, let me just remind you of one story of Jesus before we close. Of any of the times for Jesus to become self-consumed, when do you think that would be? On the cross. I saw Amy starting to lip it. On the cross, right? Naked, on a cross, beaten, senseless, barely recognizable. Man dying next to Jesus, and uh, cries out to him, and Jesus gives him his undivided attention. They have a conversation. The man is sorry for what he's done. He repents on that cross, asks Jesus to remember him, and Jesus looks at him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me 
in paradise. Jesus fully present. We can't serve Jesus where we're not. We can't love people where we're not. We can't be happy where we are not. This is the day that He's made today. 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 Don't miss what you have now. Pursuing what you have later. What you want later. God is doing a work. And He wants us to tune into it. He wants us to be present for it. He doesn't want us to miss it. And I, selfishly, don't want that for you. Right? I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss out on what God's doing. I don't want you to miss what God's doing in your life, the conversations, the platforms that He's given you to further the gospel, to further His kingdom. Now. Today. Today. So will you join me? Will you join me in trying to live like Jesus lived? And being more present in the moments. More present in the conversations. More present where our feet are. And not be the 47% where our feet are here. But our minds are out there. Our feet are here. And our minds are out there. Let me pray with you. God, this morning, I thank you that um, your word meets us right where we are. And God, what a, what a powerful thought this morning. And God, I, I speak for me and anyone else that would agree with this prayer this morning. That God, I want to be like Jesus. Fully present in the moments. Seizing every opportunity you give me. For your good. Your plans for me are good. Not to harm me, but to prosper. And God, whatever happens, whatever happens today, that I'm not expecting to happen, that I don't want to happen, that would really hurt and stink. God, whatever happens, God, I pray that it wouldn't derail me, but that I would know you're in control. That I would have the faith to surrender and to trust. Surrender the past I can't control and to trust the future that I can't control. And God, I pray that for my brothers and sisters in this room, that we surrender and trust today, knowing that our best days are now. In Jesus' name, amen.